This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You need to, you need to know what's happening. It's, 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 it's time to get in the huddle with Carl Dukes and Brian Baldinger. Back for another edition of In the Huddle, and oh, this one's going to be interesting because, guys, there's a lot going on in the world of the NFL. The owners' meetings are going on in Phoenix as we speak. And, uh, Baldy, I got to tell you, as we get things started, Carl Dukes, Brian Baldinger, of course, Jason Lockham for a part of this podcast as well, guys. Appreciate you checking us out, liking us, and subscribing. We put new episodes out frequently every Tuesday, Thursday. Every now and then we'll pop in and do some stuff depending on what the news is. But the A story, the number one story right now is Lamar Jackson tweets that he requested a trade, Baldy, in early March, around March 2nd, and that the Ravens have not lived up to their part of this, that basically they've not shown that he's worth the value or the money, that whatever that is, and he wants a trade. And so that got everybody talking yesterday, and I want to start here because this news of Jackson publicly – Right. We heard privately he might not want to be there. Now it's publicly. I don't want to be here. I want to I want to change my situation. And he's doing this for leverage. So yesterday, I think Harbaugh sits down to speak with the media. And like 10 minutes later, this tweet comes out. Right. And Harbaugh's like, I haven't seen it. Uh, He's my guy. I love him. Yeah. All right. Let's start first with is this the right thing to do for Lamar? Like he said nothing up to this point. And now all of a sudden he's letting stuff be known that probably was in-house behind the scenes because maybe he was trying to handle it the right way, Baldy. Let's put this under the category. This is business. Last year, Kyle Murray did the exact same thing. Scrubbed your social media account. Don't want to be a Cardinal. They don't, you know, it was all about money. They got, he got a deal. He got a contract. Is this, so this is business. Now, I don't agree with the way Lamar is going about his business. These contracts are difficult. There is an awful lot that goes into these things. This is big business, not just business. This is the biggest of business in the NFL. This is where Drew Ozenhaus, Lee Steinberg, like the guys that have been around a long time, that have done a lot of these contracts, there's relationships with these teams. Drew Rosenhaus, I remember Drew doing contracts with the Ravens in 19 – before just when the Ravens got there. I remember seeing Drew there doing, you know, contracts with some of the star players at the University of Miami, whatever. Anyways, these things are difficult. And at the end of the day, the team and the player both want to feel like they win. I mean, it's just it's just negotiations. So for Lamar to come out and say, okay, I, you know, since March 2nd, I requested a trade. All right. Like going through the media and doing this and leaving it us for all of us to speculate is ridiculous. It just is. And so I believe that this thing is a fractured relationship now. So now you okay. There's Jim Harbaugh at the owner's meetings, 46, <laughs> 46 questions directed right at him. The first 26 questions all about Lamar. 
He doesn't want to do the dance in front of the media. You know, this is between literally between Steve Bishotti and Lamar because Steve Bishotti, the owner, is going to be the one that's either going to write the check, not write the check. Jim Harbaugh wants to coach him. He wants him there. He's won 46 games with Lamar as the starting quarterback. Um, he knows he's going to win a lot more games if Lamar is there. So then you go, okay, where's the where's the suitor? Okay, Indianapolis. Ursay's getting questions. Jimmy Ursay yesterday. I played for Jimmy. Played for his dad. He's taking questions. And he's like answering questions off the cuff like, well, I don't believe in guaranteed contracts. What's the compensation? Like he's – there's clearly interest. Sure. You know, does he want to give up the fourth pick? Is is that who they want to build the team around? Shane Steichen, is this the guy that – I mean, there's a lot that goes into this. On the surface, it's just like, well, go get the MVP. Okay. There's a lot there. There's 11 games missed, a missed playoff game, playoff performances, passing. There's a lot there that has to be factored into this deal. And so I'm not against Lamar at all. I'm just saying, like, these things are difficult – and for the player to say, I could do this, you need a bad guy in this deal. You need a, an, <laughs> an intermediary that can sit there and do the negotiations, Carl. Like, me and you could probably negotiate our own deals. There's a lot of players in the NFL that can negotiate their own deals. This is a difficult deal. And there's a lot at play. And even with the franchise tag um, to, you know, depiction on it, that thing could have been handled differently between an agent and Lamar. So the problem right now to me is we're four months and three days away or a month and four, three days away from the draft. This deal has to get done before the draft because there's, yeah. there's four quarterbacks sitting there all waiting to go in the top 10. So are the Colts one of those teams? Are the Carolina Panthers one of those teams? We think so. But maybe Lamar takes one of those teams out of the deal. So now we're up against the clock. You know, I mean, I don't know if I've answered questions or asked questions here. But that's all the things running around in my head. It's just the start of the whole thing, Carl. All right. Uh, a couple of things for me on this. Um, and I just want to throw this scenario out. I'm going to put it out there in the ethos, and, and, and you guys can, can marinate on it. What if the Colts take their fourth overall pick this year? They use it. They go get their offensive or defensive line better. They go get their edge rusher, whatever it might be. And after the draft, Baldy, they present an offer sheet because then they can go get Lamar, potentially, and they've addressed their needs in this draft, and you give up the 2024 and the 2025 first-round picks, mm -hmm. and you still get in the mix. Mm -hmm. Now, that is one solution, and I'm using the Colts because, to your point, that's the one team I think that you said it. Ursay's like, yeah, I'm interested, but I'm not interested in guaranteed deals. The other thing that I think needs to happen here is whoever is going to get involved, all right, and then I'll get to the whole negotiation part of this from my standpoint. Whoever's going to get involved, I remember, I, I look back a few years ago, Baldy, we remember when Kirk Cousins got his deal. And we were all like, mm -hmm. what? And it was like three years, guaranteed money, and everybody was freaking out. And yeah. I think for Lamar, this is the route. Like, if anybody's in his ear – Dude, you're not going to get 250, but you might get 180 to 200 guaranteed for three years. Get your out where they can't franchise tag you so you can test the market again. You're still under the age of 30 and get moving. Mm -hmm. Instead of trying to get five years and 230 and six years, it's not going to happen. So 
That is the two solutions that I keep thinking about is go Kirk Cousins route, shorter term, guaranteed money. Yes, we've seen it happen. And make sure that the team gives you an out to say, hey, after my three years, I still want to be able to, to, to be not franchise tag. Or a team comes along like the Colts or one of these other teams in the top 10 and says, I'm going to use my pick this year, but I'm going to wait till after the draft to mm. address you, Lamar, because okay. I don't need you in OTAs and all the things that we're going to do until after the draft anyway. And I'm not willing to give up the fourth overall pick or the eighth overall pick if I'm the Atlanta Falcons. That is how I've changed my thinking about this okay. quality potentially. Right. I mean, look, 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 let me – so there's a lot to that, and that's a possibility, although I don't think the Ravens would be interested. very interested in that. Yes. Carl. yes, I mean, if they lose Lamar, if they're going to lose Lamar, they need a replacement. They want that fourth pick to maybe go get Anthony Richardson. Who knows? That's right. This year. So they're going to – to me, while it that might work out that way, and that's a possibility, and all we're doing is just throwing solutions Absolutely. out, right? That's all yeah. we can do at this point. Yes. Um, that So that, that's a possibility, and it might work out that way. But here's what I'll say. Like, to just look at this whole big picture, and, and this is always the case. Now – if I was running Lamar's camp, I would have had the best and the biggest bidding war of all time. That's how I would have done this. I would have gotten the Ravens and who knows, the, the commanders. I would have gotten a bidding war for Lamar. It only takes one team. It just takes right. one team that's interested. Now that's And that would – we don't know who that might be. It might be the Colts. So in all these deals, you just need one. To, to really say he's our guy, we're going to do whatever we have to do, compensation, money. That So that's kind of – but that's kind of like hoping. Like that's not the best strategy in this deal because it's clear no matter what Harbaugh says at the owners' meetings, he's got to say what he has to say. It's clear that the Ravens are a little perturbed by this whole thing. And sure. what came out yesterday from March 2nd made everything awkward because then it makes it sound like everything the Ravens are saying – is like it's not coming from any point of truth, you know. So, uh, so it's awkward right now. It's very awkward. But I think, you know, these these. So here's the thing: nobody wants an agent, needs an agent until you need an agent. <laughs> that's just that's just we've it's all the, gone through it, right, Carl? We've all truth. gone through the agents and yes. everything. Yes. But when you need one, you need one, right? And you better have a good one that can really. And one that has dealt with these teams before. And you know how these things can, you know how convoluted these things can kind of be. There's a lot at stake here. And so, you know, first round picks, you still want to throw those things away. Those are valuable chips. But if you get the guy, you know, it can be, it can be, it can be a win-win for every team. Yeah, and let's talk about the agent thing real quick. Brian Baldinger, Baldy guys, check him out. Follow him. Of course, I'm Carl Dukes. Put him up. Glad to have you with us here on In the Huddle as we talk about Lamar Jackson's situation. The tweet came out yesterday. He wants out. He wants a trade. He's requested a trade, and we're just talking about all these different scenarios. To your point, Baldy, and I've had a bunch of agents, um, good and bad. Yeah, <laughs> me too. But but I will say this, you mentioned the bad guy, and one of the the guys that was uh, really good for me, uh, one time I was in a negotiation, and this gets to Lamar and what you're saying. Yeah. And listen, I the entire time that we've been talking about this, I've said the market is the market, 
unless he's asking for an insane amount, which we don't know, but the market's a market. He should be able to go in and with advisors, obviously, and say, here's the marketplace. Here are the five guys that got paid the last three years. Here's where I want to be. And it just shouldn't be that hard. But the reality is, and this is the, the advice that, that one of my, my agents gave me uh, years ago. I was in a negotiation and he calls me and he says, hey, look, uh, they're just not budging. Right. And I said, what do you mean? And I went down, you know, because I was upset, right? Because we yeah. get emotional, right? And I'm, yeah. and I'm like, but I'm doing all this stuff. And I'm naming all the stuff I'm doing. I'm like, and, and, and look at the results that I'm getting. And I've got the number one show. And, and I'm going off, right? And then I, I said, and they love me. And he said, yeah, but they'll never show you or tell you that. Yeah. It's, good. it's, it's a good piece of advice there, Carl. Lamar, yeah. they may love you. But they're not going to tell you that, right? And the point is, to your point, Baldy, it's business. And so we bitched and moaned and complained and did all the things. And and I got really, I got a really good deal. I didn't get yeah. everything I wanted because you never get everything you want, no. right? And so that's kind of where Lamar is. What is the most important thing to him in this negotiation? And you know, I've said all along: if the Ravens love you, show him. In our business. You pay somebody. That's respect. Brian Balding, uh, Brian Baldinger is a hell of a broadcaster and announcer and analyst. And you know what? He gets paid based on the fact that what he does and how it is reacted to and people respond to, that's respect. Baldy, we respect you. So we're going to cut this check. And that's the thing about Lamar. Like the Ravens can say all this stuff, but at the end of the day, if you love me, show me. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline even if you don't tell me in these negotiations. So it's interesting, Carl, the word respect. Because, <clears throat> you know, it gets thrown around a lot of different ways. But I remember when Brian Billick was the coach of the Ravens. And he when, when he came from the Minnesota Vikings to Baltimore, took over for Ted March Bro, who came 1998, he comes in, new coach. He, like, I don't think Brian would get mad at me or anything like that. But he signed a six-year, I think, $10 million deal, okay. which was pretty substantial in 1998 for any head coach. But he said, you know, at that time that his contract was really important for respect. Though when he stands up in front of the room, he's not the lowest paid coach. He's one of the highest paid coaches. Yep. And when he walks through the locker room and he's making a demand on Ray Lewis or whoever it might be, um, there's got to be respect. And so Lamar, wherever he goes, like, okay, well, however, you know, these contracts have a lot of different numbers. Some yeah. of them are inflated some of them are real guaranteed money is guaranteed money though and so it 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 is respect and how much are you respecting me and so that's what lamar's looking at and i don't blame him that's the way it is that's the way that's the way this business works if you're getting results baldy right that's the thing and 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 for everybody out there again we can debate all of this well he's he's one and three in the playoffs give me a break dude there's a lot of things that play in the playoffs there have been great quarterbacks who haven't won here's what i know 
the kid is 46 and 15 or 46 and 14, whatever it is. Over the last five years, there's only one guy, one quarterback in the NFL who has a better winning percentage with 40 starts or more, and it's Patrick Mahomes. That's winning, Baldy. So you can take this resume and you look at it and you go, eh, like, it, it, it's pretty damn good. You know? Well, the only thing, the one thing, though, caveat about that, and it's great that you bring up the point, is, you know, Patrick Mahomes does not have a fully guaranteed contract. No, he doesn't. And it's what, 500 so, million? Yeah. You know, and, and who knows how the numbers, sure. you know, Lee Steinberg, you know, work the numbers, but, you know, they, they both sides obviously feel like they won. And that's really where Lamar, I want to see Lamar at, where both sides feel like they got, a, they got the player they wanted, the player got the money that he wanted, and he got the contract that he wanted. That's, I felt like that was on the table way before any of this started. And now, look, these negotiations, to your point, um, they could go in a lot of different ways. I feel like the Ravens are looking for a suitor right now. That's what I feel like, no matter what Jim Harbaugh says. I feel like the way this thing is going, and this is this happens in these negotiations. These, these, these relationships get fractured. And it gets spilled into the press and there's sound bites and there's, you know, there's uh, people that are carrying the messages, all this stuff that ha can happen. It, but it but they all can be. And I don't know if you can put it back in the, the, the tube right now. Right. But that's why the agent is so important. It, it, you just need that guy that can just behind the scenes just keep hammering away and hammering away to. And, and really, it never gets to the media. It just – it doesn't ever get there. Yeah. The hammering away part, too, was funny because um, <laughs> when I was in that particular negotiation, when I was ready to give up and just be like, fine, let's just do the deal. And he goes, yeah. no, not yet. <laughs> and and to your point, just kept hammering. Guys, and, and, and I, listen, I hope you never need an agent, okay? But if you do – you need one that's tireless and never quits. And the point is, to Baldy's point, like as a player, as the players, Baldy's a player, I'm a player in our, in our careers, Lamar Jackson's the player. We get tired because it's not what we do. Like th this isn't what we do. We don't want to be on the phone all damn day and calling six and seven times and going, hey, but by the way, by the way, let me tell you, let me tell you, we, we don't want to do that. You need a guy to do that. So Baldy, I'm with you on this. I hear you. Would this have been done if he had one? I don't know. But maybe we're to a point where whoever is advising him, you know, and, and the tedious work that goes into what you're talking about, that all this stuff, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time. But I don't know if his ego is going to allow him to do it, Baldy. I don't think I don't so. Know either. I know this. I mean, I've been through one of these negotiations with one of these networks, Carl, where um, I did it myself. And I, I remember I was in Maui. I yeah. was in Hawaii going, I just want to get away. I don't even want to be near it. But, you know, I'm on the phone mm -hmm. with one of the, you know, with basically the negotiator, but not the guy that writes the check. Correct. This is the guy that's going to talk you down. I'm telling you, Carl, I, I was so mad that I started yelling at my friends that I'm with in Hawaii. Like I'm taking it out on them. You know? I'm in Hawaii. Like, there's no bad days in Hawaii. I'm yelling at my friends. Like, I don't even want to be around anybody. Yes. I'm so, I'm so irate. And everything 
and they're lying right through their teeth to me. Oh, this just a, and I was like, I don't care if it's just somebody that to, to do the actual contract. I'm never doing this again. I don't care what it costs. Like I'm never doing it. And you know, these, <laughs> these contracts, Carl, you know, their these books things are like legal briefs. Like these things yes. are, are a book, yep. all the yep. different details and all the, con- and it's not to knock Lamar. Like I'm sure like all he wants is, okay. Deshaun Watson got 230 guaranteed million or whatever it was. Um, that's what I want. Give, but it's just not that easy. Yeah, it's not. It's a great story, Baldy, and it's true. All right. Does this in any way, and we're talking about Lamar, being on the open market impact Aaron Rodgers' situation? Or do you think that the Rodgers-Jet situation is completely separate as far as how this might impact the market? Well, you know, Green Bay has moved on, okay? They've moved on from Aaron Rodgers. I think more than the New York Jets sitting there and figuring out what the compensation, what the correct compensation is. Like, Joe Douglas isn't giving up the 13th pick in his draft. No, for, and he shouldn't. You know, Aaron Rodgers. He's not doing it. Now, I don't know if that's on the table or not on the table. I don't know. What's, because it's been very, very quiet. And Joe Douglas at the owner's meetings right now, and he's getting answered, asked questions about it. Um, I feel like, and I don't know who has the leverage in this deal. I, I really don't. And I don't know if that's even at play. I mean, everybody, well, who's got the leverage here? Okay. And that leverage can kind of di- direct you to where the solution is. But I don't believe what's going on with Lamar affects the Jets. I don't feel like the Jets are like, well, let's just, okay, no Aaron Rodgers. They want the 13th pick. We don't want to give it to them. Let's go to Lamar. Like, I don't think. Okay. That's that play right now. But I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong about that car. I don't know. You know, I'm in Broward County right now. Lamar's in Broward County. I don't know how, you know, who's coming down to visit him, who, who's picking up the phone and calling him, especially after yesterday's tweet. Um, I'd be surprised if somebody isn't picking up the phone and calling him um, and to see where he's at. But I, I don't believe that the Aaron Rodgers situation with the Jets is at play right now. Yeah. Um, and Brian Gutekinds, the general manager, he said he doesn't view getting a first round pick as necessarily or ne- a necessity to trading Aaron. So now you, what you're saying from a general manager standpoint is we'll take the best best offer. Right. We're going to take the best package. I don't care what necessarily it is because we got a quarterback in love. So I'm not looking to go get a first round quarterback. I just need something in return. Sure. That's fair. Um so, you know, Gunakis was talking yesterday and, and he said a lot of things, but I agree with you. They moved on. This is just a matter of when, not if this is going to happen. I think Robert Sala spoke yesterday and he was like, yeah, I'm very confident that Aaron's going to be the quarterback of the Jets. And I'm like, what does he know that we don't know? So uh, he knows that I think they basically shook hands and everybody said this is going to happen and we'll get to it, you know, when we get to it. So. It's interesting that both Aaron Rodgers' situation and now Lamar, who publicly has come out and said, I want to be traded, they're just sitting there. But I agree with you. I think they're separate. Well, I think, you know, as far as the quarterback news, and let's face it, quarterback news always drives everything in the offseason. It is right now. The one piece of news, quarterback-wise, that was really pretty eye-opening was what John Lynch had to say in San Francisco, you know, about Brock Purdy. That right now, if we lined up, Brock Purdy's our starting quarterback. He's earned that. Like, that's pretty eye-opening considering that Trey Lance was the third pick in the draft and they traded up twice to go get him. And, um, 
But, you know, to me, now I don't know when Brock Purdy's going to be ready. You know, surgery is surgery and rehab is rehab, and nobody can predict when he's going to be ready. But I thought that, that was pretty, pretty newsworthy. I did too, Baldy. And the thing for me is um, this could be one of the greatest all-time wasted picks potentially in the NFL history because of what they went and did and how they gave up picks and, and draft equity um, or, or compensation. I, I think somebody asked me the other day, they said, how much do you believe in Purdy? And I said, well, look, it's not his fault he fell into the perfect situation, right? Mm-hmm. Great defense, great run game. They trade for McCaffrey. You've got four guys on the outside, Debo and all these. Uh, you, you got players. Like, mm-hmm. he fell into a perfect situation. I only say that to, to say that with Shanahan's style and the way that he goes about his business, I, I, it's almost a perfect situation for Purdy. He's never going to ask Purdy to throw for 500 yards. He's never going to ask Purdy to throw it 50 times a game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's not how he operates. So for Purdy, all he has to do is stay within the game plan, and he looks really good. I don't know if Brock Purdy can put a team on his back and say, hey, I- I'll win two or three or four games for you, as we've seen Aaron or Brady or some of these other greats do. So I- that is my only reservation. But if you're telling me that that he's the guy and you are not confident in Trey Lance, however that's going to shake out, that's a wasted pick. Well, it's a waste. It can be a waste to pick if Brock Purdy works out. But what it says is to be a bigger message, Carl, in that all you got to do is prove it, that you can play. You know? And he did like, last has year. Kenny Pickett proved it, that he can play in Pittsburgh. Can he, can he proved? I don't know. Um, you know, and, and any of these quarterbacks coming out, would you take what we've seen from eight games with Brock Purdy over what Bryce Young might be able to do? Would you take Brock Purdy and what he did in, in an eight-game stretch over what C.J. Stroud potentially can do? Yes. Like it's potential in all these guys. And we've seen so such a high percentage of these high picks not work out. And now, is that – did Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, blah, 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 all these guys not work out because they didn't have the perfect storm? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you put Baker Mayfield in that storm in San Francisco – could he have played as well as Brock Purdy? I don't think anybody thinks he could have. Like, I think Brock Purdy showed an awful lot, even with everything around him, as good as it was, that he could play at an elite level. And that's all you're trying to, to gauge with all these prospects is, boy, if we build around him, can he really deliver? And that's the question mark, because you don't know. Yeah, and the last game was so unfair, right? I mean, the kid couldn't throw. Six games. Yeah, I mean, you, six you, plays. You, you, could, you couldn't really evaluate. I know people want to look at the playoff game. That was somewhat unfair. But leading up to that point, Baldy, you're right. And, and listen, I have a phrase. It's simple. Can he play? Can he we play? talk about height, weight, strength, speed, quickness, all this crap we throw out there, right? And at the end of the day, I just go, can he play? Mm-hmm. Rob Purdy can play. That's what I learned. So you're absolutely right. It's in the huddle, guys. Brian Balding and Carl Dukes with you. Jason Lock on four, part of this podcast as well. Let's talk about the Cowboys releasing Ezekiel Elliott over the weekend. I want to throw this out to you. I think Zeke is loved in Dallas. He's a great, you know, person as far as how he handled his business there. But Zeke rushed for 876 yards. He averaged 3.8 yards a carry. That's under four yards a pop. They're both career lows. 
He failed to crack the top 20 in rushing this season. And then you go, well, hey, it's Ezekiel Elliott. He had how many 100-yard games? None. Zero. So he has not gone for 100 yards, 27 games. Now you go back to his last 100-yard game came back October 2021, Baldy. Is he washed? Well, so here's the thing is he's got a lot of miles on him, had some at Ohio State, had some, you know, through the Dallas. He's a declining player, clearly a declining player. So you can't pay two running backs in this business. So you pay Tony Pollard, you pay him, you know, franchise tag money. Okay. Tony Pollard was a fourth round pick out of Memphis. Nobody thought that he could usurp, uh, you know, Zeke, and he did. It's just the nature of the beast. I mean, there's just been very few guys, Emmett Smith, LaDainian Thomas, and you count the number of guys that can really carry it for a long time and still maintain, um, you know, high productivity. Uh, when you can get Isaiah Pacheco in the seventh round and you yeah. can get what you need from that position. Zeke has value. He's an excellent protector. He's a good teammate. Um, you know, but here's the thing. Okay, you could – you might be able to say Zeke can still do it if the decline was related to an injury. Now, you could say, okay, he had a, a knee injury a couple of years ago. Had a, he played through it. He's basically been a healthy player, and he's declined. It's not like, um, you know, he had to go get a knee surgery like Brees Hall this year and see what he is when he comes back. He's been a healthy player for the most part, and he's a declining player. And, you know, a lot of these players, you could list the 100-yard games, just look at the explosive plays that he's had in the passing game or running game. He doesn't give you the explosive plays. Pollard does. And so it's just all these players that have been released, um, like Zeke, like they all want the elite money, and it's that's just not there. So you can get Zeke, but you got to get Zeke at a value. And what's that value? I mean, it's not going to like it. But I don't know what the value is right now. But it's 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 nowhere near the $10 million figure that they had been paying him. Now, we were talking about Austin Eckler, I think, on the previous podcast. Uh, guys, subscribe, like us. It's in the huddle, wherever you get your podcast. We put out new episodes on Tuesday and Thursdays. And um, you were mentioning you love Austin Eckler, but you think the money is unrealistic to where he's trying to, to go. Is that going to happen with Zeke? I mean, Zeke's going to take a pay cut no matter where he goes. I keep hearing – you know, Eagles, which would be kind of interesting um, because of the Cowboys-Eagles rivalry and all that. But, you know, Eagles, Jets, there's some other teams. And it's almost like everybody wants to go to Jets because of the anticipation of Aaron maybe being there. But is he is, is he in a similar situation, Austin Eckler, to think that he can get 10 or uh, 11 or $12 million uh, a season? You know, look, I mean, the Eagles signed Rashad Penny. Now, you know, Rashad Penny has he's had he's a strong injury history. But when healthy, he's been a very good back. He's still young. Um, so he's been in the league five or six years. Yeah. Uh, he still has probably more left. But they, they've gotten a lot of mileage out of Kenneth Gainwell, out of Boston Scott. I mean, the Eagles, I don't believe, are in the market to sign Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, they'd rather sign their own players, which they have done a great deal of. Uh, but I don't believe that they're in that market. I just don't think teams are um, interested in a running back whose best days are behind him, regardless of what the name in the, on the jersey is right now. Um, Baldy, as we get into pro days, and we saw, you know, guys last week, specifically, um, and not in this order, we saw Will Levis. I watched his pro day at Kentucky. 
right? Cannon, big kid. I saw him in person this year because um, my daughter's thinking about going to Kentucky. It's one of her schools. And okay. so we went up and and we watched uh, a game. And ironically, Baldy, this is a pretty funny story. After the game, we uh, it was Georgia-Kentucky. Georgia, Georgia Kentucky. No, oh. no, Nobody was doing anything against Georgia's defense, right? right? And he had, a, he had a, a shot where it was a wide-open guy in the end zone. He underthrows him, and it's a pick. And that was like their best chance to score. But it was a cold day in November. And uh, after the game, we went to like one of the popular spots in town. Yeah. And uh, the kid walks in with his girlfriend. And I tell my daughter, I said, it's the quarterback. And she goes, man, he's bigger than I thought he was. And I said, yeah, he's a big guy. So I went yeah. up and said, hey, you know, Will, Carl Dukes, I work in Atlanta. You know, I do this, that, and the other. And, hey, I wish you nothing but the best. We'll probably try to grab you before the draft. Kid was super nice. Yeah. He's in there. He's signing autographs. You know, people are coming up. Hey, Will. And my point is, when I walked up on him, Baldy, I didn't realize how stout he was, right, until I walked up on him. And, you know, I'm not a little, little bitty guy, but I, I'm not, you know, 6'5". And so you could see he has this NFL frame. That's the Will Levis story. And I saw him throw this week. We saw Bryce yeah. Young, who everybody was saying, hey, what do you mean you're not weighing in? Because he didn't weigh in, <laughs> right? And then we saw C.J. Stroud last week. My point is, Baldy, has your opinions changed on any of these guys? Now, Anthony Richardson is going to work out Thursday. Yes. All right. Florida's quarterback. He's the other guy that we continue to talk about. I think he'll do well. He already crushed the combine. Has your opinion changed at all on any of these quarterbacks? Not really. I mean, like when Bryce Young, like, you know, it was <clears> – I, I was joking last week on the NFL Network that uh, how big was the jet that the Carolina Panthers chartered <laughs> to take the entire organization to Columbus to see C.J. Stroud? And I see Josh McCown talking to, you know, C.J. after the workout, like, hey, look, I, you know, I know you're a hooper. I got a basketball court set up. Let's play a little, you know. Yeah. Then they do the same act the next day in Tuscaloosa with Bryce Young. And to me, um, it was just confirmation Thursday, or Wednesday, whatever day it was. It was just confirmation of what you saw. Um, Bryce Young is an elite prospect, regardless of his size. But his size is a concern, health-wise. But the way that he plays the game, the way that he throws the ball, like, it's it's elite. It's elite touch. But, you know, it's, it's what you saw you know, throughout his two years. Um, it's funny that you said that you went to, with your daughter, to the Kentucky-Georgia game. I've watched that game. Every single prospect that played against Georgia, <laughs> it's like, that's not the game that you want to put out there for an NFL team. But then you no. go, well, what in the world was he supposed to do? Like, they literally took, he made one throw on the sideline early in the game for 40 yards, and it was a great throw, and that yep. was it. Yeah. Like, there wasn't anything else that he did the rest of the day. And you're like, well, you don't have a tight end. You really don't have any wide receivers. The protection broke down. Like, here's Jalen Carter. Here's all these guys coming at him. Like, but he did the same thing to Anthony Richardson. I mean, George did the same thing to Anthony Richardson. He did the same thing to everybody they played against, you know, except for really C.J. Stroud, you know, who had a you know pretty good day that day. Um, and that's where you kind of measure C.J. Stroud going, wow, he – you got a harm's way a bunch against an elite defense with, you know, first-round picks everywhere. So Yeah, and Hendon Hooker. I mean, prior Hendon to the injury, Hendon Hooker, yes. Hooker was another kid that they were, you know, we're talking about a first-round grade exactly. potentially. So Yeah. But, I, you, know, the, you know, the only thing I'd say is, like, none of these guys ran. I kind of like wanting to see these guys run. I yeah. don't know where, if Bryce Young's a 4-5 guy, a 4-6 guy. I don't know. 
Like, I like to have seen them do some of these things that so just to have another measuring stick against Anthony Richardson, against some of the elite prospects that have come through the NFL. You kind of like to see them do that. Now, I'm sure their agents like it. It's not necessary. Like, your tape is your tape. All right. Well, I still like to kind of see it. I'm with you. Um, my opinion has not changed. And uh, listen, it's Bryce, it's Stroud, and then the other two guys, depending. I do think somebody might reach Baldy, and we're going to have plenty of time to talk about this over the next month, that somebody might reach and go Anthony Richardson before Will Levis just because of the upside. I do believe that. Um, that athleticism is unbelievable. And there's somebody, you know, there's somebody in one of these offices going, I can make him special, right? I can, I, we can really develop him into something special. And so I do think that's going to happen, but I just, I'm not sure what team yet is going well, to just, be. I mean, I think it's fascinating to me that Carolina trades from nine to one with Chicago to get the first pick. And they haven't let the cat out of the bag and who they're mm-hmm. looking at. No. But if, you know, if you're a Carolina Panther fan, it's kind of hard not to see, could this be Cam Newton? Or some level of I me, mean, he, he prided himself after Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson, his game. Um, the Carolina Panthers had the number one pick in 2011. Cam Newton, four years later, is the MVP of the league during the Super Bowl. Like, it's kind of hard not to look at Cam Newton and what he did in Carolina and not think that Anthony Richardson can't do that. I mean, they both, I mean, Cam Newton played 13 games at Auburn. You know, Anthony Richardson's played 13 games at Florida. Like, his, like his physical traits, are actually better than what Cam Newton did coming out of all. And it's kind of hard not to look at that and go, could the Carolina Panthers go down that road again and 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 and, and take their next Cam Newton? I mean, it's kind of hard not to think like that. No, listen, if you get him and he does Cam stuff, if I told you over the next 10 years he's going to win an MVP, take you to a Super Bowl, and you're you, consistently you in the playoffs, right you take it. You, you got to take it. So that's the thing. I mean, forget about the skill set. If, if that's what you believe, then you got to take it. Baldy, before we run, I want to get back to Lamar Jackson. I just want to state this. And, and, you know, it is uh, something that has been brought up, not by this show or this podcast, but various people around the league or, you know, mm-hmm. outsiders. And that is that somehow, shape or form, some way, shape or form, that this Lamar situation has something to do with race. And mm-hmm. I want to I want to clear this up. So when Deshaun Watson, who was at the time going through legal issues, right? We didn't know how severe it would be. We didn't know what the consequences were going to be. Ultimately, you had teams bidding for his services, as we forget. Like, we have short memories. But you had three or four teams that were bidding for his services. And ultimately, the Browns came in and they wrote the biggest check. Jimmy Haslam said, hey, I want him. This is what we're going to do. Deshaun Watson is black. He's got a $230 million guaranteed deal. It's the first ever in NFL history, okay? Mm -hmm. This is not about race with Lamar. This is simply about term, years, and numbers, salary. That's it. Who wants to pay him? Who doesn't? There's nothing else to this. Mm -hmm. And so if anyone is insinuating that, okay, and I get the collusion part because the other part of it is, well, you've got white owners who are colluding against this black quarterback. And I don't believe that because at the end of the day, we just saw a black quarterback get paid the most money in NFL history. 
So let's not go down this road. Lamar will get his. I don't know what that number is going to be. But the bigger statement from NFL owners is they don't want to go down the road of having to give guaranteed deals consistently over and over and over. And if you don't think Jalen Hurts is watching and his people and Joe Burrow's people are not watching this and they don't and they're not aware of where this is going, you're not paying attention because those are the next guys that are going to get paid. And when they do, what is that going to look like? And if it starts, NFL owners are going to go down a track they do not want to go down. And the CBA, by the way, does not say anything in it about guaranteed deals. There's no language that says you cannot do a guaranteed deal, which is why the Browns were able to do it. But let's not go down this road of it's race and it's a black quarterback. We've got a black quarterback that's guaranteed $230 million in the league right now. I think it's unfair, and I also think it's unfair to the guys who are being insinuated that that's what's going on. Sometimes, and trust me, I'm black, all right? Sometimes it just is what it is. Sometimes it's just I don't want to do this because I know what it's going to do for my franchise and my league potentially down the road. And I think what the Browns did was an eye-opener for a lot of owners. And even though it looks like collusion because most of them look the same way, it's just not. Because they can say, I don't want to do this because it's not good business. Well, I said at the very start of this podcast, and I'll end the podcast, this is all about business. And business, I I don't believe that the color of anybody's skin is interfering with this business. It's a difficult business. It's a, it can be treacherous. It, you know, Joe Flacco had to play out his contract to get paid in Baltimore. Like they went through this before, yeah. you know, and they weren't ready to give Joe Flacco a guaranteed or any a, an inflated contract before he proved himself winning the Super Bowl and the Super Bowl MVP. So I just think this is business and business can be difficult. And they don't just give these they don't give these contracts away. There's a lot of negotiation that goes into it. And that's where this thing is at right now. And it's, and people say, well, you know, the agent thing, the agent thing to me is important when it gets to the business. These owners are business people first. Yeah. And they do business every day. Difficult negotiations outside of football. Um, Steve Bishotti self-built a empire Okay, from scratch, like he's a businessman. And so that's where this thing is at, Carl. Baldy, great stuff as always, guys. We'll see where it goes. We'll see what else comes out of the owners meetings. We'll be back. We'll jump in. You never know. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode to see what's happening around the league. And we'll continue to build up to the draft as well. Once we get past the draft, we'll tell you guys we're going to be grabbing some different guests and getting some people on just to kind of interact with us, having some fun. But Right now, it's all about the lead up to what's going to happen in April. So, Baldy, appreciate you, man, as always. Thank you guys for being here. Subscribe and like us. Tell your friends about us. It's in the huddle. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks, Baldy.